Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Britt Colo, is the creator of the marketing personality type framework, which matches you and your best marketing strategy based on the Myers-Briggs personality type, which may help you to understand why certain things in marketing feel really good to you and give you that permission to not do the things that don't feel so great. Hey, Britt, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So let's kick things off with a little bit about you and your business journey. Okay. So me and my business journey. So I started my business back in 2016, which feels like a long time ago now. I don't, where did I, where did we go? So prior to that, I was a director of marketing for a small company in my local area. And, you know, I was young in my 20s. I was like, you know, I think, I think I could do this for other companies and be my own boss. And let's go try that. So I quit my job, didn't have any clients. And by the next Monday, I had a client. And then by the next Monday, I had another client. And it just worked out. I, it's the craziest thing. But I was, meant, I was meant to be my own boss. I meant to do my own thing. I'm really glad that I, I did take that leap because it fits me and who I am. So that was back in 2016. Started an agency model type of business. And by 2017, people were you know, online, they were finding me and they were saying, you know, I don't necessarily need you to do the marketing for me. I'm not quite there yet, but would you coach me? And in 2017, coaching was just like the thing. I mean, it kind of still, I guess it kind of still is, but it was really popular back then. So I said, yeah, that sounds really good to me. Let's try it out. And I loved it. So I, over time, stopped working the agency model really went full force into the coaching model, started a, a podcast in 2017. That went really well. And then it was about 2018, mid-2018, I got, the, I say, a download about marketing personality types. What happens when we pull this world of marketing and marry it with this world of personality types? Two worlds that I have always loved what happens when we pull them together? I've never seen anybody do this before. What would it look like? So I open up a Google sheet. I start figuring it out. And in like an hour, it was downloaded. There was something there. I started kind of talking about it a little bit with my close mastermind friends. Talked about it on a podcast. Just kind of dropped it in. Like didn't even really mean to talk about it. And that podcast host was like, wait a second. This is a major. Like, have, you, have you put any actual thought into making this a thing? And that was what I needed to say, like, yeah, let's try to make this a, th make this a thing. And that's when Marketing Personalities was born. So I created the website. It's not through many iterations, but still at marketingpersonalities.com. And it's where you can still go to this day to find out what your best marketing strategy is based on your Myers-Briggs personality type. And that's the core of my business now. Still do a little coaching, still do a little agency work, you know, here and there for like the great, great clients that I just really, really want to work with. But the core of it is marketing personalities. So let's first of all, just dive a little into 
Myers-Briggs or MBTI, just in case anyone listening is like, I don't really know what it is. Yeah. And I know that you, in your work, kind of lift it into several categories, which maybe makes it a bit easier for people to think about as well versus yeah. trying to remember. I can't remember how many combinations of types or personalities there can actually be. Right. But let's dive just a little into the basics of it yeah. first. So when I started, when I pulled marketing and personality types together, I had to make that big decision of what personality assessment or indicator am I going to use? The one that I decided on was Myers-Briggs type indicator or the MBTI. And there were a couple of reasons for that. I get that all the time. It's like, why'd you do, why'd you go Myers-Briggs? I like MBTI. And it's really the gold standard as far as science-backed personality typing. And it's really well known in corporate. I mean, if you had ever had a corporate job, you probably took a Myers-Briggs type indicator. And it's also really popular in high school and college too. A lot of times students take that as well. And so usually you've had some kind of exposure to Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs is a 16 type system. So what that means for me is when I make one thing, I make 16 things. It's bananas, probably why I haven't really made anything new in a while, but but I haven't really needed to. <laughs> this stuff is so great. So 16 types and an, an easier way to kind of enter into the world is to break those 16 types into their four main tribes or categories, like I like to call them. So there are the analyst tribe, the diplomat tribe, the sentinel tribe, and then the explorer tribe. And so there are four types in each of those tribes. And and those four types in those tribes have some really core similarities within their personalities. And that can kind of group you into a into a crew of other people who are like, yeah, we're, we're really similar. And a lot of times when you're working with service-based businesses or coaches, it's really fun to see how you very naturally attract people in your own tribe because you just naturally appeal to those types of people. They get you a little bit more because you're so similar. You might not have the exact same type, but you you may very well be in the same tribe. So that's that's an easy way to kind of dip your toe in the water. And then we do go deep. I mean, we I I make everything in marketing personalities based on the 16 types. So if you know your type, and you want to go deep into what is my exact best marketing strategy, we go there. So what about the people who say, like, like I've done Myers-Briggs and oh, it doesn't feel like it fits or like I get a different one every single yeah. time. I find because Myers-Briggs is so like, it's the four elements of it, the chance of like you being an E one time and an I the next time based on your mood. <laughs> It feels like it's important that people get that type right before they then dive into their marketing personality and build a whole marketing strategy on it. So there are a couple things that I that I talk about when we when I speak with someone who's like, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, the you feel between two different personality types and like, well, which one do I pick, you know, or I never really felt like that really fit me. So number one is. There are seven to eight billion people on the planet and only 16 types. So this is not a perfect science. This is not something that that I would say is, at the end of the day, perfect, always going to fit. You take the assessment and it's like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely me to a T from top to bottom. It's not. 
it it's a tool. It's a, it can be a really useful tool as long as you can answer the questions really, and I mean brutally honest. You can answer those questions from the core of you, not answering them in the way that you think you should answer them, but you're being honest with yourself. And you have to be pretty self-aware to, in, in order to do that. And so if you, I kind of feel for the high schoolers who have to take these because it's like, I remember taking this when I was in high school. I, didn't, I wasn't self-aware. I was answering it for my parents. Are you kidding me? My guidance counselor is going to see this. And I think I want to go for journalism. So I better not answer this in like an analytical way, even though I'm good at math. Like there's even, even if you're not having conscious thought about that, it's happening. So you do, you do have to really sink into an honest place for yourself to be able to get an accurate indication of your personality type with this. And over time, as you said, like, can it change? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, people much more experienced in psychology than I am may have a different opinion. I think over time, you may see a change in your personality type. Maybe not because you at your core changed, but your awareness of yourself may have changed or your awareness of a past trauma may have changed. You may have become aware of a past trauma. You may have cleared that. And now you feel like, man, I kind of feel like a different person. Like I can really truly be myself. Whereas five years ago, I couldn't have answered this question honestly because I was still living in that trauma. I've seen that. I've had conversations about that. So does it change? I don't know about that, but I do think your self-awareness changes and therefore your your type may change. So if you have hesitations, if you're like, I don't know, I do encourage anyone who is even a little bit interested in finding out what their best marketing strategy is based on their personality type. Number one, take an assessment again. My favorite one is at 16personalities.com. I have no affiliation with them. I don't own that site, nothing. I just really, really like their assessment and it's free. And I really like the results that they give you too. It's just really fun to read through those. So if you're at all interested, take the assessment again. Even if you took it just a year ago, take it again. Just, just do that. See what pops up. Read through your results and, and maybe make, make some notes around like, yeah, that definitely hits. And then maybe if the next paragraph is like, I can kind of see that, but there's also this thing going on, right? So that just helps your self-awareness as well. And at the end of the day, I say this all the time, your marketing needs to feel good for you. So the tool that I've created in Marketing Personalities hopefully gets you closer to finding out and confirming and trusting that, yeah, that is my best marketing strategy because that really does feel good. I really do like doing that one thing in marketing. All the other stuff I don't really like, but that one thing I can get down with. I can put my best energy into. Regardless of what the tool says, regardless of what your personality type says, ask yourself, can I bring my best energy to this today? And if the answer is no, I can't, then you get to make a choice of whether you force yourself to show up or you take a step back and say, hmm, maybe I just don't put that out there today. Because at the core of what marketing personalities stands for and teaches and preaches, and I've said it so many times over the years, is marketing that feel good, feels good 
is marketing that works. Because when you bring that feel-good energy, your audience, your best audience members, your best clients, your best customers, your best followers, they're like, oh, that feels right. I like that. They kind of lean in. But when you show up feeling fake and salesy and like you just should because this person that you're in this group with said like, oh, maybe you should try this. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't really want to do that, but I guess I will. Guess what? Your audience is going to be like, they're going to feel that. They're not going to trust it. And marketing 101, no like trust. If they can't trust your message, if they can't trust your energy, they're not in. So you might as well show up with with authentic and real energy. Okay, so so let's connect all of this yes. now. So we've got the four tribes. I am an ENTJ or an INTJ. Yes. I ambivert with the best of them. Yes. <laughs> so do I. So am I the analyst yes. group? You're in the analyst yes. tribe, right? Okay. So what does that mean for me in terms of marketing? Okay. So let me break this down a little bit further. So we've got INTJ and ENTJ. I stands for introvert. E stands for extrovert. That's the one everybody knows, right? And then let's talk about the NTJ. N stands for intuitive, meaning you prefer to pay attention to your internal cues rather than external cues. Okay, there's lots of stuff going on around you, but you would prefer to pay attention. Well, what's going on inside me? You're gonna you're gonna want to pull information from there. T stands for thinking. So thinking means you prefer to make decisions based on logic, data, things you can you can make sense of consciously on the flip side of that is is the letter f healing so people who are in infj they they prefer to make decisions based on how they're feeling okay so you're you're the t logic data let's make sure we can make it make sense in a google sheet and that's gonna feel better for you and then the j stands yeah love (laughs) (laughs) and then j stands for judging that doesn't mean judgmental. It means judging, meaning you prefer to see more of a black and white picture when you look out and have closure. You like to make decisions. You like to have, you would prefer like, here's option A, here's option B. I can make a decision from there. You can make sense of a lot of options as well, but you you would just so much rather like just make the decision, move on. You can judge the situation. Okay, we're moving on, right? On the flip side of that is a P, which stands for perceiving. Perceivers really, they look out at the world and they see more gray. They like to have a menu of options. They like to sample here and sample there. And they don't prefer to make a hard and fast decision and feel like they can never look back on it. That makes them feel really uncomfortable. Whereas the J is like, no, I like that. Like, let's just Moving on now. And then, as you said, sometimes you dip into IN, not dip, but like you kind of switch over to INTJ. So, and this happens for a lot, a lot of people. My hand is raised too. And so if you're thinking, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm between I and E, or sometimes people feel like they're between any of the other letters. In that case, I always recommend blend them together. No problem there. At the end of the day, let's just make it feel good because that's what, that's what works here. Okay. (laughs) So ENTJs, they know their shit. And they do not mind making sure everyone knows they know their shit, okay? <laughs> so, no, these are, I, I, I 
joke. Wait, I take it back. Let's not do my marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I joke only because I love this. I love, I love ENTJs who they they step into their power. They have no qualms about it. They're going to teach you. They're going to tell you how it works, and they're going to make sure you do it right. That's they know. They know how it works, yeah. right? And so I see ENTJs being really great at showing up behind a mic, whether on a podcast, on a stage. They have this presence about them that is really no BS. And and that's really attractive to the right audience because when someone has a problem, I mean, we're in business, right? Like if you're listening to this, you're in business. So when someone has a problem and they're really seeking a solution, it can it can feel for the right person so relieving to find someone like an ENTJ who's just showing up and saying, this is what you need to do. They've got the solutions to your problems. On the flip side, let's talk about INTJ. INTJ is, is super logical, super analytical, and really, really good at setting up a digital sales funnel. So when you put, I really think this is like, this is kind of gold. When you can put an INTJ and an ENTJ in one person, you've got the external persona who's got the answers and the really great logical mind who can take this big, big picture. And this is, this is across the entire analyst tribe. They can see this huge, huge, big picture. Like, okay, we're at point A and we need to get to point L. How do we bridge that gap? Most other personality types are going to be like, I can kind of see like A to B, maybe B to C, but then after that, I'm like, I don't know, I need help. The analyst, if you're in the analyst tribe, you could probably sit down and figure that out pretty quick because your your mind is just strategic like that. Yeah. One of my friends said to me, my superpower is the ability to see seven steps ahead of yeah. where she is while still sitting in the weeds with her of where she is. 100%. It is that big picture. But I do chuckle like as you're speaking because I have definitely been known to say to people, I'm less of a coach and more of a consultant because I would prefer to tell you the answer yes. than wait for you to kind of get there. And that's so and, valid. And I'm also pretty direct about how direct I am. Mm-hmm. Like I don't pull punches on my podcast because I want people who listen to my podcast, if they decide to work with me, to understand what they're going to get. Absolutely. And I am definitely not for everyone and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So my marketing strategy mm-hmm. is to speak and to teach, yeah. which makes me very happy because that is very much my happy place. I do not want to lip sync on a reel for all the money in the world. No. And I think that's a really, <laughs> what you just said, I think it's a really powerful place and statement to say, I'm more of a consultant and less of a coach. I, I can see how it would be really easy for someone in the analyst tribe, I think ENTJs and ENTPs, to maybe get sucked into the coaching model because coaching is like this whole thing, right? Especially in our world. But if that's not how you present, that's not going to feel right to you. And your clients are, if you present, if you say you're a coach, but you're showing up as who, who you genuinely are, which is a consultant, like I have the answers you need to follow. There's going to be a disconnect between the people who are signing up and, and, and how you're, how how you are consulting that and I love that you've kind of you've you've hit on that I'm more of a consultant 
And so, okay, so that's so our analysts are like our super logical, big picture, down to small details yeah. types. Then we have sentinels, explorers, and diplomats. Diplomats. What did they do high level for their marketing? Sure. Yeah. So I'll start with the diplomat tribe. So the diplomats have the two letters N and F similar. So again, N stands for intuitive, preferring to pay attention to internal cues, and F stands for feeling, preferring to make decisions based on how they feel rather than what they think. So with that, in that diplomat tribe, these are intuitive feelers. They tend to appreciate big blocks of time because these are these people are creative and don't prefer to be forced into production when it's just not flowing. They're seeking flow. They're seeking alignment and these i mean i'll say these people are co these people are great coaches they've just got that like sit back let me ask some questions of you i'm not going to guide you to a specific answer i'll let you do that yourself i'm here to you know be a bit of a mentor be a you know ask the right questions so that's kind of the vibe of these people again every single all, all four of them in this tribe have different best strategies. But I will say a, a through line in being mission-driven. So these people are going to do, are going to feel feel the best when they have a really clear mission. Why are they showing up? If they have a marketing, if they have anything on their marketing strategy, marketing plan, marketing to-do list in a thon or whatever, and they, they don't understand why, it matters to do that. What's it really going to do in the long run? They're not. They're not going to put their best energy into it because, and, and it's usually so behind the scenes. They're not. They don't even realize that's what's got them stuck. I've coached so. I'm part of the diplomat tribe, so I've coached so many people in the diplomat tribe, and it's. I've had so many conversations where this is actually what has them stuck. They just don't know why they're doing it. Like, can I just do this other thing? Like, I can see how that's going to work. So the mission is really key. They're really, they're usually pretty service oriented. So if they can, if ever they feel far from the service that they're actually going to provide, where they're, they're offering products or services, it doesn't really matter. But if they feel far from their client or customer, say in like making a digital sales funnel and like getting in the weeds of Samcar and Stripe and like that feels very far away from their client, that's not going to feel good for them. Okay. So that's a diplomat tribe. I could talk so, so much more about them, but. <laughs> so is their marketing, are they kind of marketing where like the analyst is marketing, hey, let me help you break this down in a different way. Let me help you think about this differently. Let me show you a framework to deliver this because they are so consultative more, where the diplomats are more coaching, that's a much harder thing to, like you can't coach someone through an Instagram post, right? So are they kind of marketing their mission and talking about the mission and the way they serve that mission then tends to be in a more coaching rather than consultative space? It, it, could, be, it could be that way. It's, I can't say that it's that clean cut because there are people yeah. who are marketing products you know there are people out there marketing soap and so an analyst who loves making soap because that's actually a really interesting thing for analysts 
it's a, it's a weird example, but I swear it's like, it's like a science project for an analyst. I may have several Google tabs open on candle making at yeah. the moment. So, you know. <laughs> Point made. It, candle making is the same way because it's, it's, it's a science project for an analyst. And then for a diplomat, it's more of like an artistic expression of how they're feeling today. And you're still making amazing candles. They're making amazing soap. So, and at the end of the day, those two people are marketing soap or candles. And so they're not necessarily, you can't, I can't really say like the analyst is going to then be marketing like a framework, right? Because they're marketing a candle, but, but the way they go about developing that strategy and what goes into it is going to look, it's going to look different. I can picture almost the two Instagram accounts of the one being like, here's how I made this candle behind the scenes of making this candle. Yeah. Why I use these 17 ingredients versus this is the experience of lighting a candle. Ah, uh, that's this, a good, yeah, you know? that's a good, yeah, that's a good through line. An analyst is naturally going to show off a different perspective to their process. Could look exactly the same. Could be like if you've stepped it all out, it could be one to 45 steps and they're exactly the same. But those two people are going to show off different perspectives of that. Okay. So we have our analysts and our diplomats. And now we have our sentinels and explorers. Yes. So the sentinel tribe, they are, they have the similarities of the S and the J. So S stands for sensing, meaning they prefer to pay attention to cues externally, what's going on in their surroundings rather than what's happening internally. And then the J, we've talked about this. They prefer to make the decision and move on. Clear cut, black and white. So Sentinels are really good team members. They, teamwork makes the dream work for these people. So if I could sum up across the board across for Sentinels, Sentinels are going to work really well on a team or within a collaboration or within some kind of collaborative environment. If a Sentinel is working completely on their own, they're 100% responsible for their marketing and they have no like referral partners or, or affiliates or someone that feels like they're kind of in the marketing with them, they're going to not feel great about that. And so I typically, again, it gets individual between the four types, but referral networks are great for Sentinels. Anything that you can be doing to build your referral network, incentivize referrals, that that can feel and work really, really well for you. And then as we get more on the extroverted side of the Sentinel tribe, these people are setting up affiliate programs. They're working with influencers if they have the cash for that, you know, that sort of thing. They're working with other people to help sell their thing. Are they also the JV kind of webinar strategy types where they're showing up in other people's communities if they're the extroverted side? Oh, that could def- that could totally be. Sentinels, especially on the extroverted side of the Sentinel tribe, they make friends so easily. So those opportunities seem to just kind of come to them. Like, hey, would you come be on my podcast? Hey, would you come into my group, especially this one, would you come into my group and do a training for my people? Like, they didn't even have to ask because they're just so friendly and they make friends with anyone they're, they're around. And they also have an air of, I still know what I'm doing. I'm not just here to make friends, you know? So they've got that nice alchemy of those two things. 
So their network is kind of their, yeah. their huge marketing asset. Big time. Okay. And then we have Explorers. Explorers. Right? Yes. Explorers has the S and the P in common. S, sensing, prefer to pay attention to external cues. And then the P, perceiving, again, they look out and they they like to see grit, like more of a gray. They don't really like to make a hard and fast decision. They like to sample and and be to me as a J, I'm just like, oh no, I can't live like that. But they love it. They love it. <laughs> they kind of thrive in chaos. I have lots of friends who are P's and I totally get it. Like I see them and I see how good that feels for them. And then I'm here like, you know, once they hit a roadblock, I'm like, you just need a routine. And they're like, no. <laughs> so it's <laughs> you know, you just gotta know you gotta know your your audience, right? But no, I I love people who operate in that perceiving place because you know what? In my own mind, I think P, yes, it stands for perceiving, but it also stands for play. Perceivers can be so much more open to play, so much more open to opportunities that they didn't see coming, but they're because they're open and they're not so committed to closure. <laughs> They're open to more things and they more things might come their way. So it can be a really beautiful thing. So explorers, super creative, super in the moment. These people are, these people are in the present moment. They are not planning far ahead. So I see these explorers being best at, not really being best at, it's more about feeling best when they are sharing something in the moment these people love Instagram stories or just making a TikTok off just off the cuff or didn't mean didn't really plan to write this email to their list, but they've got something on their mind and they love sending those emails. And they typically get really good responses, regardless of how many typos are in it, because it came it just came from the heart. It just boop, came out. So these people, if if you're in the Explorer tribe right now and you are trying to fit yourself into the the box of having a content calendar planned out for the next quarter, doing all of your social media posts on Monday so they're planned out for the rest of the week. That doesn't feel good. It's totally overwhelming. That's not where they live. That's not, their their mind is not in the future like yours and I, like you and I, we live in the future, right? With who we are. And we think like, of course you need a content calendar. Of course you need to plan ahead. How do you know what's going to happen if you're not? And they're like, but I don't get, it feels completely irrelevant. And ultimately, if that content calendar is being kind of forced upon them or or feels like a big should, it can feel so overwhelming. So I like to give explorers the the advice to, hey, what's going on today? You want to share about it? Would it feel good to share about that today? Great. Go do that. I've definitely been in like social media settings, like groups and programs and stuff with explorer types. Definitely. As soon as anyone talks about a content plan and they're like, but how will I know what I want to say tomorrow? Exactly. And I'm like, how can you go to sleep tonight not knowing what you're going to say tomorrow? <laughs> well, right, right. And this is, that so gets to the crux of all of this. You know, we all are going to do this differently. And every way we do it is so valid. There are, you know, there are so many marketing gurus out there who mean really well and have amazing strategies, like amazing ways to find success in, in business. 
unfortunately, it's often presented as like, as long as you do this, you're going to succeed. And the reality is, as long as you're that type of person and you do this, then you probably will succeed. But if you're not that type of person, it's not going to be that clean cut. And it's great when you can find somebody who who you really feel operates exactly like you do because yeah, you can kind of plug and play. But if if you if that's not how you are naturally wired and you're trying to follow their system. I mean, you can make it work, but it's not it's not going to be as easy. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people kind of go down that path and then and then end up feeling like they are the problem. And it's not that you're the problem. You never were the problem. And the marketing guru isn't the problem either. It's just the fact that we have to remember the energetics of what's happening here. And the energetics are very clear. When you show up feeling good, your audience leans in. They want more of that feel-good, authentic energy. When you feel when you show up feeling fake and salesy, they pick up on that too and they don't want any of it. So regardless of what the strategy is, you have to approach it and say, does that feel good to me? And your answer might change over time. I'm a diplomat and as an intuitive feeler, that my answer to those questions changes all the time. And it can be really, I can feel really frustrated by that. I have a lot of diplomat friends too, and that can feel really frustrating. I have one who's just like so bought in and they're like, I'm just going to do whatever feels good. And and it works for her so well. And it's like, oh man, I, I wish I could let go that much. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> there are so many ways to do this. The real trick is seeking finding and then trusting that which feels good for you long enough to let it actually work. That's the trick, right? That's the trick. So if there was only one thing that you could tell every entrepreneur or business owner about marketing, Mm. what would the one thing be? Marketing that feels good is marketing that works, period. That's at the core of everything. And I will say as well, like that has been at the core of everything for you for years. Years. Yeah. That is the hill I will die on. Yes. <laughs> right. So just trust. If it feels good, it will work. We've talked a lot about like your website and stuff. Can you just walk people through like how they get their first kind of report? So go to 16 personalities. Then what happens? Yeah. So like I said in the beginning, go take the Myers-Briggs assessment again. My favorite version of that assessment is at 16personalities.com. You can get to, if you go to my website, I have a link to that website right on my homepage. Again, I don't own it. I don't have any affiliation. I get nothing for telling you to go there. I just really like that assessment. Go find out what your letters are. You know, even if you think you kind of know what they are, go take it again. It's just always nice to take it again. I took it again after I had my first kid because I felt like, dude, I am so different now. (laughs) <laughs> so even me, I, I take it sometimes every once in a while. And then once you know what your letters are, or I at least have a an idea, come to my website, marketingpersonalities.com. Right there on the homepage, you're going to click on the personality type that you are. The next page is going to tell you more about yourself as it relates to marketing personalities. And then you can download your marketing personality type mini report totally for free. That's going to tell you more about what your best marketing strategy is. It's a great place to dip your toe in. Amazing. So to finish up, I always ask my guests the same two questions. 
first of all, what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business? So many. I'm having trouble like deciding which, what am I going to go with? Again, that <laughs> J, right? I'm, I'm an ENFJ, so it's like I have lots of boundaries. I'm really good at boundaries too. Let me just do a pro-con list. <laughs> Let me stack rank them quickly. Let me do a comparison just to make sure it's all correct. <laughs> well, see, I'm a feeler though, so I don't, I don't uh, usually go with the pro-con or like mapping anything out. I just like, if I can, if I can calm myself enough and get grounded, I know exactly what the answer is. But the getting calm and the grounding thing, again, I have a kid. It's it's not always that easy. But okay, boundary. Well, huh, let's see. I you know what? This is this is the one that's coming up the most. I only work with people I really like. If I'm on a consultation pile, and it's a, like a really, I've had so many of these like exciting project i could see myself really enjoying the project but i don't like the pe- this sounds awful but whatever this is how i feel if i don't really care for the people that i'm conversing with and that i'm that are going to be my point people on the project with the company that's trying to hire me it'll fall through it usually it's funny because i think my energy will then push them away but there have been there have been times when I'm just like, this isn't this isn't right. I'm just not good money, good project. But I don't I don't want to work with you guys. I of course I don't say it that way, but that's a huge boundary. And I think I've been able to. Well, I know, I know that has made my business a lot stronger because now I'm able to continue to boundary off my time for marketing personalities and keep that the core. And when you start anything new, you've got to give it time. It's not always, it's not going to make you money right away. Like unless you're just offering a service. Okay. Services are different. Mm -hmm. But when you're offering a product, a digital product and a website that has to like kind of do its own thing, that doesn't necessarily make you money right out the gate. So you have to give it time. And while you're giving it time, you got to make money somewhere else. And my, that boundary of only working with people I like, I think has saved me so much heartache, so many headaches trying to balance like I hate these clients but they're paying me and I'm trying to keep this website up that's not my life I can keep up the website and I can keep up marketing personalities and I can work with really fantastic clients that I I just love doing work for them yeah I think we often forget in that moment where there's a lot of money being waved in front of us because Mm -hmm. we're human yeah and we can see that that would be really helpful or or you know really fun to spend we forget about the energetic drain yes. of that pain in the ass client. Mm-hmm. And I've like, only learned this boundary because I didn't do it right in the beginning, right? So, yeah, I feel like this is one that everybody has to learn. Absolutely. Like by experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, good boundary to set. Okay, so finally, what is the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you have been given as an entrepreneur? How do I choose? <laughs> the thing that makes me itch <laughs> most. Is when I when I see a podcast episode or an email or an Instagram post that's written from a place of, guys, it's not that hard. Like, just do this thing and it'll work for you. It brings up rage for me because I, I obviously, it's an opposition of what I'm trying to do in the world. So I recognize my own ego there. But even if it's like great, great advice for me as an ENFJ. But I know an ESFP is seeing it and probably feeling overwhelmed. That just makes then me feel like, 
oh, like take that strip down. I don't. It's it's not that clear cut, and and the way in which you're saying it makes it seem like oh, if well, I mean, if you could just do if you just do those, it's going to be easy. And then the person who just does the, just does the quote unquote just does that, and it doesn't work, then they feel like crap. And I've worked with so many people in that place of feeling like crap because they just like how have they not figured it out yet? And they're kind of shaming themselves in those shoulds, and it that's a crappy place to be. So I think. That kind of stuff. I think it's really more how it's said than what's said that I wish we could just erase off the internet. Yeah. I had a, f- a friend posted something yesterday or the day before. If she listens to this, she's, I'm going to get an earful. But <laughs> one of the things was like, you have to be going live. And oh. I chuckled to myself because she's absolutely brilliant okay. at turning on the camera mm-hmm. and just talking and like, wisdom spouting out uh-huh. whereas for me i'm like okay what am i going to say what topic am i going to cover what am like what's the point of me doing this like where am I? so it takes and both you know, of you are planning. totally right right and but it's funny because you read that and for me i know okay yes that's a i agree with her going live is a great strategy okay. but i know myself enough to know if i want that to be a strategy i need to write out 30 topics that I'm going to do. I need to, you know, before I launched my podcast, I had a list of 50 to 100 guests Mm -hmm. that I knew I could invite and 50-ish topics that I could talk about in my solo episodes. Before I even turned on a microphone, before I even asked Apple for anything. And so for me, I know that about myself, but I do think that must be really hard as a baby business person or even somebody who's just always... I guess, been told what to do in their business by the gurus yeah. to go, hang on a second, maybe that won't work for me. And right. then going live and being like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. And and they even said, like, don't worry about a script. Just ter- just start talking and the right thing will come out. And I was like, oh, I don't know if you want me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a whole different kind of life. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, that's such a great example because – it's not that you're held up on being on camera, whereas a lot of personality types read that and was like, I, I, no, I, it's not even that I don't need a script or like, I just don't want to be on camera. What are you talking about? Right. And then they're already clammed up. But in your case, it wasn't about the video being on. It's it's about how prepared you were. So it's that's such a keen self-awareness, which is that's the kind of stuff we need to be asking ourselves. I think for me, it's less about having a script to know like exactly like what I'm going to say. It's more having like a script or some bullet points, because otherwise I will talk to you for 45 minutes about the latest thing that I'm nerding out on. And I'll go into so much complexity that somebody who's just met it for the first time, you know, so I want to make sure I've taken, here's the concept I'm talking about. Here's what I want someone to take away from it. And I want it to just be one thing that I'm talking about. Because otherwise, you know, three hours later, I'm still talking. Right. And you know what? And, th- and it's funny because there's there might be some people who are like, well, I get on live and I just talk about whatever and I'm talking for an hour and it's like whatever. And, and that might actually work for them because they don't have that internal thing saying like, no, I don't want that's not what I want to put out there. They don't have that internal block that's like, I don't want to put that out there. They're just like, whatever, like I'm putting it out there. It's fine. And because they don't have a block about it, it works for them. Fine. They show up differently but doing it. You're honest about like, that's not what I want to put out. So if that's not what you want to put out, but then you put it out, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I think that's the power of 
a knowing yourself enough mm-hmm. like whether you've done mbti or disc or yeah. wealth dynamics or enneagram or like i almost don't care like just go do something right. that gets you more in touch with yourself right and then it's it is like you said from the marketing perspective but at that bigger perspective committing to yourself mm-hmm. in that space yep. and there's going to be a lot of distractions if you're in a mastermind group, if you're in a coaching program, if you're mm. here or there, you're on a if you're on a Zoom call with a bunch of people and you're talking about, you know, what's going on in your business and somebody's going to shout out like, oh, well, I tried this thing. Maybe maybe you could try this. You got to take that step back because otherwise you're just going to get inundated with so many ideas. They sound OK on the surface, but in in actuality, when you actually put them into practice, you feel crappy about it. You feel yourself procrastinating. You keep bumping it the next day, the next day, the next day on your Asana thing. And it's been there for like 14 weeks. And you're like, I still haven't done it. Well, there's probably a reason for that. Gosh, I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> we all do it. Here's yeah. your sign. Let's just take yes, that off. Exactly. And this yeah. is what I say. Either eliminate it or delegate it. Oh, this has been so much fun. <laughs> so where can people find you on the socials so that they can keep learning more about this or carry on the conversation with you? So full transparency, I don't really spend a whole lot of time on social media. I haven't checked my business Instagram in months, months, you guys. So it's just not where my my best energy is right now. And it hasn't been there for a while. So you can find me on Instagram at Marketing Personalities. Don't send me a message. Don't expect new content there. <laughs> but there is a lot of old content that you can for sure scroll through. Totally fine. My best stuff is at marketingpersonalities.com. Blog posts, free content, get on my email list. I send out an email weekly, semi-weekly, right, with new stuff. So that's where I'm most active. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, send me an email at brit at marketingpersonalities.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.